Good afternoon and welcome to Shik Talk, a podcast presented by the Swine Health Information Center. I'm Barb Dennerman, your host for this edition of our Shik podcast. Shik is made possible by pork checkoff funding, and our mission is to protect and enhance the health of the U.S. swine herd through coordinated global and domestic disease monitoring, targeted research investments, and analysis of swine health data. We want to share information we gather from experts throughout the swine industry in all of our communications and hope you find this podcast beneficial. For today's episode of Schick Talk, we welcome the Associate Director of Schick, Dr. Megan Niederwerger, Dr. Liz Wagstrom, Consultant for the National Pork Producers Council, Dr. Harry Snelson, Executive Director of the American Association of Swine Veterinarians, Dr. Patrick Webb, Assistant Chief Veterinarian for the National Pork Board. So today we're just going to update everybody on our African swine fever update. The last time we talked about this was in May of 2021. Do we have any updates since May of 2021? And since Harry, you were on in May of 2021, and Liz, would you two like to start that one out? Well, Barb, I think one of the things that we've worked really hard on is the board of directors of National Pork Board and National Pork Producers Council put together a group that developed priorities for an ASF national strategy. And that included priorities that obviously include the American Association of Swine Veterinarians, as well as SHIC and other allied industry groups, but really focused down on six main priorities. That was to look at trying to gain consistency between states and the federal response to make sure producers know what is expected of them, to maximize our surveillance to best catch the first case as early as possible, to have indemnity that would be fair for producers, and to return to trade as quickly as possible. Another one of the priorities that the National Strategy ASF Joint Board National Strategy identified was expediting the development of the U.S. SHIP project, their plan, into a full-fledged USDA program that would receive USDA funding and have regulations and rules overseeing it by USDA. So those were priorities that we really focused in on and are now really looking at tactics within each of those to help achieve those priorities. Terrific. Liz, Harry, do you have anything that you'd like to add in there and what we've done since uh, May of 2021? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Barb. And I think uh, Liz did a great job sort of highlighting the prioritization of some of the things that we've been working towards. But obviously, ever since this objective started back in, well, even prior to 2018, I guess, when we really started focusing on ASF, one of the key things we've tried to do is identify gaps in our response capabilities and our preparedness capabilities. And So obviously, once we identify those, we try to address them. And one of the things that we have worked towards addressing has been the recognized shortage in resources and personnel that are able to respond to an ASF outbreak. And uh, in order to do that, AASB, in in collaboration with Port Board and and other groups, uh, developed a uh, certified swine sample collector program, which uh, we've worked with USDA and, and some of the states on developing that program and starting to to roll that out, uh, at least on a pilot basis at this point. And the goal with that is to try to increase our capacity for responding to a foreign animal disease and and providing the knowledge base for laypersons and and producers to work with veterinarians to actually collect some of these samples and submit them. That's one key area that we've spent quite a bit of time working on over the last year or so. Dr. Webb, do you 
have anything to add into what you think maybe has been changed since 2021? Yeah, thanks, Barb. Got a couple of exciting things that, that have been in the works um, since 2021. Our AgView database dashboard technology uh, continues to move forward with producers creating accounts. Uh, same with state animal health officials, and we're starting to hear a real positive buzz related to the product and, and what the product's designed to do, which is uh, communicate rapidly, locations, movements, report supply documentation, and, and laboratory test results with state animal health officials in the event of a foreign animal disease investigation or outbreak. And so uh, we're very happy that we're seeing adoption of, of the program, um, but we're continuing to move forward with the input that we're getting from users to bring on some really exciting features this year and for the future, one in particular is to better align AgView with the uh, USHIP pilot. Try to align the two programs together in, in order to make sure that AgView is the easy choice for producers that would like to participate in the USHIP pilot, uh, as well as uh, fade in AgView for its uh, capabilities of communicating with state animal health officials. Another area that we've been focusing on is, and have been, is just business continuity related to the report supply plan. Working on ways we can go about updating the program based upon user input, um, working on that this year, and, and then potentially looking at how we can update the program periodically moving forward to keep it current and relevant to the industry. Those are exciting things that are in the works, but one thing that we've been doing this year that's just brand spanking new, National Pork Board has funded uh, six full-scale exercises uh, related to depopulation and disposal that are going to occur this year and be completed by the end of October. And, and this provides an opportunity for producers and state animal health officials, along with federal animal health officials, to actually do some practicing, getting plans set up, appraising animals, uh, actually going through uh, the process of selecting methods, coming up with their plans, and then carrying those plans out. These are uh, little diamonds for our industry because there's not very many full-scale exercises that occur at a national level, and so this provides an opportunity for some real-world preparedness. Uh, or more importantly, identifying those gaps that need to be addressed. And so uh, we expect that we'll have opportunities next year as well to expand the program out a little bit. And that's probably one of our, our top goals is to try to put in the hands of producers the resources they need to adequately prepare uh, to respond to a foreign animal disease uh, here in the U.S. Megan, do you have anything to add from the SHIC perspective? Sure. Thanks, Barb. And thanks to Patrick and Liz and Harry for being a part of the podcast. I think uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, one of the goals of SHIC is global disease monitoring. And so I think it's important to review the changes that have happened with regards to the geographic locations that ASF has been detected over the last 15 months or so since the last SHIC podcast ASF overview. And so one of the important occurrences, of course, that we're all familiar with was that in July of 2021, we saw that first case of ASF being detected in the Dominican Republic. And shortly thereafter, ASF was detected in Haiti. And what was really important about that is that the, those two countries had been negative for ASF for close to 40 years. The, the reoccurrence of ASF back in the, the Western Hemisphere of course, is concerning due to the close proximity to the U.S. and to North America in general. We also saw some different changes uh, with regards to geographic distribution in both Europe and Asia with ASF. We saw in January of 2022 the, the first officially reported case of ASF in Thailand and the first case of ASF in Italy. 
And so those were occurrences of the disease that had not previously been reported, and particularly in Italy, in the, the main country, as opposed to the island of Sardinia. And so we've seen that the ASF virus, particularly in Europe, is oftentimes reported in wild boar initially and subsequently within several months reported in the domestic herds uh, within those European countries. So it's really highlighted that difficulty in controlling the virus when it's even been introduced into the feral or wild boar populations. Well, that was a good recap of where we've come in the last 15 months. So with that recap in mind of uh, the changes in the last 15 months, Do you think producers have changed anything biosecurity-wise, anything in the last 15 months to address the closeness of ASF? Harry, how about you? What do you think? Well, we certainly hope that they have. I think one thing that that we have accomplished in that period of time is raising awareness. Uh, And that was certainly one of our key goals to start out with, is is to make producers and veterinarians, one, aware of what the disease uh, looked like, how it was moving around, you know, how it might uh, get into the country and what it might look like if it got into their farms. Certainly, we've asked producers and veterinarians to raise their level of awareness on farm, their level of observation uh, on farms and, and report things that seem abnormal. I don't think that's quite as good yet as we'd like for it to be. We should still be doing a lot more foreign animal disease investigations and a lot more laboratory surveillance and things like that to try to detect this disease as early as possible. Uh, And that's, I think that's the step that we're taking now is to try to continue to encourage people and make them aware of the importance of that early detection. But I do think people are, are starting to look at, you know, how do they improve biosecurity on their farm? You know, if we look at other diseases, If we're able to track down how those diseases got into the farm, it's almost always a breakdown in biosecurity. Somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. And biosecurity is one of those things you've got to do it every day and be consistent with it for it to be, you know, 100% effective. So, again, we're just, I think biosecurity within the swine industry is good, but it's an everyday thing. You've got to keep educating people and you've got to keep uh, being aware of, of what's going on on your farm. Yeah, to follow up on what Harry just said, I think we can't stress enough the importance of considering calling in a foreign animal disease investigation when you see high mortality or systemic disease that is not easily explained. We've seen some instances of some pretty dramatic reports of new diseases or re-emerging old diseases where it was the veterinary diagnostic labs that helped the practitioner come up with a diagnosis. Well, that's a missed opportunity for a foreign animal disease investigation that would also help our foreign animal disease investigators at the state and national level gain experience on working on pig farms, gain experience on collecting the right samples, making sure they can work in partnership with the veterinarian and the producer to be prepared in case it truly is a foreign animal disease. How about you, Patrick? We've certainly seen an uptick related to sure pork supply plan development by producers. We've got a lot of need out there in our state associations for support to help them support the development of, of plans because there's there's the interest out there. And you know, while sure pork supply is a, is a great program, it takes a little time to do the work and it's always good if you've got somebody that understands how to develop these plans and work through the process that each state animal health official would require for 
uh, participation in secure pork supply at the state level. So we've certainly seen that. And then uh, the number of producers that have created AgView accounts were over 700 producer accounts in AgView or sitting with 26 state animal health officials. We're, we're starting to see a lot more movements and locations go through AgView or I think a lot of that the participation in that program has been driven, especially by the, the risk of ASF. And, and we did see a, a bit of a bump when uh, ASF was detected in on the island of Hispaniola. So I think, you know, producers are prioritizing those activities uh, related to preparedness, which is good, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And, and the checkoff is uh, committed to supporting that work, trying to drive uh, adoption, support supply, um, AgView account creation and you know, joining with ASV, especially on uh, the certified swine sample program as well. Megan, anything you'd like to add to uh, biosecurity or changing our SOPs that we do on our farms every day? Yeah, I think one of the aspects of biosecurity that is always important to remember is that when we put a put protocols and procedures in place for endemic diseases, such as PERS, PEDV, APP, we are also protecting our the U.S. herd from any foreign animal disease entry because biosecurity protocols really are broadly beneficial for any infectious diseases. And I think what we have the opportunity to do with some of the endemic disease information that we've been able to learn over the last several months is to understand that the, the U.S. herd seems to have a vulnerability at the finishing phase of swine production. And so looking at how do we translate those biosecurity protocols that we may have in place at the sow or breeding farm level and apply those to our grow finish phase as well to close those biosecurity gaps and reduce the vulnerability of of the overall U.S. herd to any, any pathogens. Because when we think about diseases like ASF, it doesn't matter if it gets into a sow farm or a grow finish site or a small uh, show pig operation. When we think about the impact of that disease, it's any pig species. And so we really need to have those protocols uh, broadly applied. That's very true. Barbara, I think another thing that continues to have a lot of interest in that obviously Schick and Pork Board have been very involved in is biosecurity around feed and the supply of feed, import of feed. There's been a lot of research that's been funded by both the Pork Board as well as Schick. And I do see producer interest in that area continue to be very high and looking at what they can do with protocols around feed. You bet. And there's a resource on um, at least the Swine Health Information Center's website that producers can look at to go through when they're purchasing their ingredients. So, Harry, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you know, in the, in the broader scheme of things, our, our initial emphasis was trying to enhance our ability to prevent the disease from entering the U.S., and so that's where we put uh, a lot of our efforts. And one of the things that, that has come out of that has been a closer working relationship with Customs and Border Protection. And, you know, through the work of all of our groups, but certainly the leadership of MPPC, we were able to secure funding for additional Beagle teams uh, and additional resources to sort of address that risk of what comes across our borders. But that work isn't finished yet. I mean, they're still short on uh, inspectors and agents uh, at the borders. And, you know, one of our big asks now is to try to get the funding necessary to uh, at least bring their 
their resources up to where they need to be because that's really our first line of defense. So we're, we're obviously we're asking for help from producers and, and veterinarians to, uh, you know, to reach out to their legislators and, you know, make that plea and make that case for enhancing those resources that we need, such as those agents at the border, but also support for the National Animal Health Laboratory Network, uh, which is vitally important for diagnosing disease and aiding us in surveillance and monitoring going forward. And the National Animal Health Laboratory Network has never been funded at the level that it was authorized at. So that's another area that we are, you know, looking for support from our constituencies to try to raise awareness of that and get those funds that we need to to make that what it's supposed to be. Very good points. We've made progress on that, but more work to be done, don't we? Exactly. Anything that you would like to add about that, uh, Dr. Webb, our biosecurity updates or what we've changed or? Yeah, just to, just to point out that, you know, from the pork board perspective, if you look at what we're mandated to do, research is a big part of that. And so, you know, through a cooperative approach with the other organizations and, and key producers and key subject matter experts, we just continue to uh, evaluate and prioritize research um, that would focus in areas that would help support uh, preventative efforts, that would help support uh, response efforts or uh, support tools that help us do a better job of detecting, you know, diseases like ASF, CSF, and FMD earlier. Um, and so, you know, we continue to uh, fund research here at the National Pork Board and will continue into next year as well um, in these key priority areas. As Dr. Wagster mentioned, you know, the, the two organizations, NPPC and Pork Board, uh, work to develop a, a set of six priorities. And uh, that's those lists of priorities are kind of the lens that we're looking through as to what is the research that we need to do as the checkoff uh, to support being successful in addressing the priorities on, on behalf of our boards. So let's look into our crystal ball. What do we need to do next to be better prepared or keep the disease out, period? What, what's up next, guys? What, what do we need to do? Look at your crystal ball and figure that out. Well, I've got to say, I think Schick is doing a great job of looking at internationally what's going on, how the disease is changing, how it's moving. But I do think that capacity building in some of the countries that are experiencing outbreaks, that are areas that we import a lot of products from, that we have a lot of travelers come from, trying to help some of those areas get ahead of their outbreaks may be helpful to us in the long run. And whether that's in the Dominican Republic and Haiti and trying to clear it out there or in Southeast Asia, you know, some of those those areas that really need expertise and resources to be able to diminish the not only their outbreak, but the risk their outbreak shares for us. I would say, uh, you know, efforts on improving our surveillance capabilities uh, is critical. Uh, we keep talking about early detection being important in our ability to respond uh, to this disease. We were on a call with USDA back some weeks ago, and uh, someone with USDA made the comment that, you know, by the time we diagnose this disease, it'll already be endemic, which is, you know, something I think all of us realize. But, you know, once, once you actually say that, you realize how important it, it is that that we detect this disease as quickly as we can. And so I think looking at, you know, our testing methodologies, our sampling methodologies, as well as 
you know, our policies associated with how we can utilize sample collection and testing capabilities. You know, those are areas that we need to continue to look at. We need to enhance research into how do we improve testing protocols from a surveillance standpoint. But we also need to look at analyzing what what is it that veterinarians and producers routinely do in the field that would help us detect that first case uh, as quickly as possible. So I think that's one area that we, we would be well served to put more emphasis in and continue to look at. Very good point. Barb, I think one of the things that we've learned over the last several months since the last ASF update, too, with regards to the, the virus, is that um, in the Dominican Republic, the isolate that came from the Dominican Republic and was put um, into a, a, a challenge experiment in pigs by ARS really highlighted that uh, the virus can present very differently with regards to clinical signs. And so we may not see a high death loss acutely within, you know, 10 to 14 days. We may see more chronic illness. We may see uh, different clinical signs associated with the different uh, virus. And so what Harry and Liz and Patrick and our organizations have worked together to really think about how do we increase surveillance so that if, if there isn't an acute death loss, we're still picking up uh, the virus and detection as quickly as possible. What's the most convenient and uh, easiest sample to collect? What's the types of pin side tests that we could investigate for research capabilities, but also potentially deploy in field situations to understand and to detect the virus as quickly as possible? And so, so those are some of the aspects that our groups collectively have really been invested in and um, trying to increase for the U.S. Uh, detection. Yeah, I think to follow on what Megan and Harry have said is that you look at at surveillance and there's a couple different reasons for surveillance in the eyes of USDA. And their kind of default is surveillance within a control zone that would allow movement of animals outside of a control zone or surveillance of contact farms to prove that they may be negative. And in that, you need a very highly sensitive test that identifies the virus as early as possible and infection. When you're looking at perhaps screening and early identification of a naive population like we have in the United States where we don't have the disease, you know, maybe we can look at how to test more animals more conveniently and not need as rigorous a test because there's not going to be that, there's not going to be regulatory action taken on, you know, are we going to allow movements? Are we going to do this or that with the results of the test? Obviously, if we had a positive come up, there would be follow-up testing. But to be able to utilize different sample types, different samplers to try to get a broader picture of what's going on in the United States would serve us well. Very good. Those are very valuable points that we need to be looking forward to. If each of you would give what you would think every producer in the country needs to know, give them one thing that they can do tomorrow on their farm to help be prepared for this, any kind of foreign animal disease. And we always talk about ASF because it's come so quickly to the Western hemisphere, but what's one piece of advice that you would give a producer and talking with his uh, herd vet that he would do? Patrick, you want to start? Yeah, my number one would be uh, make sure that you have created an Aggie account and uh, prioritize the time it takes to get data into the account to keep it current. 
think that's at least one tangible way for producers to better prepare um, in the event of a foreign animal. Okay. You see something, say something. If uh, we're relying on observational surveillance uh, to detect disease, then we need people not to be afraid to report something to their their herd veterinarian or their state or federal animal health official. And if something looks out of the norm, then you need to report that. I think the thing we keep stressing and need to keep stressing is know your state animal health official and your USDA area veterinarian in charge and realize that you as a veterinarian or you as a producer will be working with those people in the case of the outbreak, but you will also have responsibilities on your farm. So not only get to know them, but get to know whatever agencies in your state would be responsible for oversight of um, disposal of animals that might need to be depopulated. And really the worst time to introduce yourself to any of those people is during an emergency. I think all the things that my fellow panelists have mentioned are so important. In addition to that, I don't think we can emphasize biosecurity enough on a day-to-day aspect with our animal caretakers, our personnel, having that sort of at the forefront of your mind, going in and out of your site and in and out of your barn, I think will provide us with benefits for both endemic and foreign animal diseases. Perfect. Well, with the collective knowledge from four of you, I think we've been able to share a great update and what we need to do next in the case of a foreign animal disease, especially ASF. Is there anything that anyone would like to add before we close the program? One other thing I would encourage producers to do, Barbara, is to take a look at their own farm, take a look at their own herd and determine how they would respond to a foreign animal disease on their farm. How would they deal with depopulation and decontamination and disposal if they had to do that. And the other thing would be to make producers and veterinarians aware that government's not going to come in and solve the problem. It's an industry issue, has a government component, a regulatory component, but uh, USDA and state animal health officials are not going to not going to make you whole and not going to have all the answers. The industry's just too large for that. So producers need to be ready to take some responsibility for how they respond on their farm and Key to that, obviously, is prevent the disease from getting into the farm to start with. So adhere to your biosecurity practices and notify somebody as soon as you see something out of the norm. Yeah, and I think one other thing to add to what Harry just said is not only the depop disposal, et cetera, decontamination, but what's your plan if you can't move pigs? If you can't move pigs, we'll know it's for a minimum of three days. What happens if you can't move pigs for a week or 10 days? and have a plan for what you would do if you couldn't move pigs. Very good points, good information. Thank you, all four of you, for giving us this time. The collective knowledge between the four of you is extremely important for us in the industry, and we appreciate you sharing your information. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next Shik Talk. Thank you for listening to Shik Talk from the Swine Health Information Center. Learn more about our organization and our mission to protect the health of the U.S. swine herd at www.swinehealth.org.